This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. I just want to say hello to everybody that's in here today. Hello to everybody that's watching over in Overflow. And hello to those who are joining us online today. This has been an amazing series. We just kicked it off last week called Strap. And uh, the whole intention of this is really just to bring you a series about finances because this really isn't just a series about finances. It's a series for those of us who are tired of struggling financially. How many of y'all are just totally tired of struggling financially? Tired of the stress, tired of the worry, tired of the fights, just tired of it. And last week we kicked it off by talking about the topics of more is not more, less is more. Because the, the, we live in a world that has bought into the lie that what I don't have is what I need. And so what we end up with is more. And when we end up with more stuff, our schedule filled with more things, we actually get less of what really matters. But when we are disciplined and have less, we actually get more of what matters. And so we kicked that off last week, and last week we actually kicked off a month-long endeavor of giving. And so last week we took on donating clothes to uh, Stanley County Christian Ministries Clothing Closet. That is how they largely fund their ministries to support local families in our communities. And last week we gave over a 1,000 pounds of clothes looking really to do that at least again today. Isn't that awesome? To be a part of a church that's giving, we started collecting today, and we'll collect today and next Sunday, shoeboxes for Operation Christmas Child. Because this is true. This verse that we focused on last week, better is one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. I'm going to say that again. Better is one handful with tranquility, with peace, with margin, than two handfuls with toil and chasing after wind, chasing after happiness, which is a moving target in our lives. And today we're going to continue in this topic. And realistically, uh, this is one of those messages that all of us need to hear, but many of us don't want to hear. How many of y'all know there are things that you just need somebody to tell you every once in a while and you don't want to hear it at all, right? This is one of those moments, and I get to do that, so let's have a lot of fun with that. All right, I want to start with the message that Jesus proclaimed in John 10. This is one of our core verses. In John 10, Jesus said, A thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. There are two things that are present in that verse that I want to point out in this moment. Number one, there is an enemy to your soul. There is somebody who wants to take you out. Okay? And the progression is listed there. To steal the life that Jesus wants for you, to kill the life inside of you, and to destroy the life that you have. But Jesus said, I came that you may have life and have it to its fullest. See, the thing is, is that we have bought into that lie that more is what we need. And if we get that, we'll finally have the life that we've always wanted. But Jesus said, if you want the life you've always wanted, come to me. 
The fullest life possible is found in the heart of God for us. But many of us came in this morning feeling a little overstressed. How many of y'all feel overstressed? Raise your hand. Right? I want you to see this. Stress kills the life that Jesus purchased for you to have. Stress kills that life. If you're taking notes, that's the first fill in the blank today. Many of us are knowing, we live knowing that, that Jesus purchased the life on the cross for us to live, and it's a life, life of peace, and it's a life of fullness and fulfillment. But, but many of us have that life being choked out of us by stress. The Mayo Clinic did a lot of research on stress and came back with this list of what stress actually produces in our body, right? The common effects of stress on our body are headaches, muscle tension or pain, chest pain, fatigue, a change in our sex drive, stomach is upset or stomach digestive issues, sleep problems, right? Stress, stress has effects that we feel in our body. But not just that, but it has effects that appear in our mood. The common effects of stress in our mood are anxiety or restlessness, lack of motivation or focus, feeling overwhelmed, irritability or anger, sadness or depression. Sadness or depression can be the causes of stress on our mood. This is what it causes. This is the effect. Look at the effect that stress has on our behavior because if it affects our body and if it affects our mood, then it's going to affect our behavior. The common effects of stress on our behavior is overeating or undereating, angry outbursts, drug or alcohol abuse, tobacco abuse, social withdrawal, and exercising less often. I want you to see this about stress. It's very important. Stress isn't a problem. It's actually a symptom. It's a symptom. And many of us have treated stress as if it were the enemy. And the truth is, is that there's emerging research that shows that there's plenty of kinds of street or stress that is good for us. Y'all ever get to that moment when you were in like the fourth grade, you're supposed to do a science project, but it was the night before and it was due tomorrow. And you waited a whole two months to do the project. Some of y'all did this in college. Had a paper due, waited until the night before it was due. You feel some stress in that moment, don't you? It's good, right? You should. You step out in front of an oncoming semi-truck. You're going to feel stress. It's good stress. It motivates you to get out of the way. But some of us are living with too much stress. And when we mention topics like anxiety or, or depression, I, I just want to say this up front. But in a room this size, there are some of us that are dealing with anxiety and depression because of chemical imbalances that our body is not well. And I want you to hear this from your pastor, okay? It's not a sin to be sick. It's not, it's not a sin to be sick. And there are some of us that suffer from illnesses that affect that area of our life. But for many of us, when it's not health-related, stress is often a symptom of living outside of God's plan for our lives. 
That's what it is. It's a symptom of us living out. God has a design. God has a plan. And we're living outside of God's design. And because of that, we're living with undue amounts of stress on our lives. Now today, I'm going to focus on financial stress. On financial stress and how financial stress impacts our life. Many of us don't don't see that, don't don't recognize that the stress that we're living with financially is having an impact on our life. But consistently in the top five most stressful things in the average person's life is finances. Consistently listed in the top five most stressful things in a couple's relationship is finances. We are living with undue amounts of financial stress. And I want you to see this today. Too many of us are living above our income and under stress. I want you to see this. All right? Too many of us are living above our income and under stress. You probably are asking, well, how am I going to live above my income? I only make so much money, it's by debt. That's how you're living above your income. The average middle-income family in the United States spends more than 100% of their monthly income. How do you do that? Credit cards, debt. That's how. You know what I've never heard anybody say? I don't know a person who has said, you know, getting in debt really helped our marriage. Yeah, we got in debt, and it just brought us closer together. We're just on the same team now. I've never heard anybody say, you know, that massively high interest rate that we have on our credit card, it has totally helped our love life. You know, because a high rate equals hot love, right? That's how it works. (laughs) We're going to have some fun. Y'all get ready, okay? Never heard anybody say that before. I've never heard anybody say, you know, every night when I go to bed, I get down on my knees and I get before the Lord and I pray, God, thank you that I'm in debt. I used to be out of debt, but now I'm in debt. God, thank you for it. Thank you for all the payments that I make each month. Never heard, but I have heard people pray this. And I have heard people say these things. I'd love to give more. I'd love to help more people, but I just can't afford to. You know, I'd love to travel. I'd love to go on trips with my family, but I just can't afford to. You know, I wish somebody, one of our, us could stay home with the kids, but we just can't afford that. I've heard a lot of people say, I'm tired of things being so tight financially. I'm tired of fighting about finances. For years, I taught Financial Peace University, and for the first few years of our church, I taught that every year. And I can still remember, part of that is that we get really involved in your financial life. I mean, we, we, we ask you to bring in your bills and help you build a budget and all that kind of thing. And so we had a couple one time that walked in, and the husband looked at me, and kind of that sheepish look on his face. Like, what did you do? Y'all did something, didn't you? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. What'd you do? Just tell me. We bought a new car. No, I mean like new to you car or new car? New car. Oh, okay. What kind of car did you get? Okay, I always wanted a big truck, so I got a big truck. All right. 
How much that cost? How much that cost? Forty-eight thousand dollars. Oh wow! Wow, that's a lot of money for a truck that's going to depreciate in value. Way to go! How'd you afford that, by the way? Oh, I got a good deal on it. Got, got financed it for seventy-two months. Really, seventy-two months. How did they? How did they package that together for you? What percentage rate on the interest on that loan did you get? Oh, it's at nineteen percent. Because our credit's not in great shape. So I pulled out my little mortgage calculator and factored it out. Do you realize that over the next 72 months, you're going to pay over $80,000 in interest? I said, how much do you think that truck you bought is going to be worth 72 months later? I don't know, about $12,000. So you just paid almost $50,000 for a truck. You're going to pay $80,000 in interest. The truck's going to be worth $12,000. In the next 72 months, you're going to pay $100,000. You're going to lose $100,000 to have this truck. I think that's why this verse is in the Bible. Proverbs 22, verse 7. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. You know what it means to be a slave? It means to have to go to work. And when you go to work, the profits of your work do not come to you. You have no choice but to work. And when you go to work, you do not profit from it at all. That's a slave. The average household in Stanley County would have to work three years to pay $100,000. That means every day for three years, you'd have to get up and go to work, get up and go to work, get up and work as a slave just to pay for that truck. The borrower is slave to the lender. You see, when we get into this topic most of us don't want to talk about it because it's so personal. We're embarrassed. We feel hopeless and fearful. We don't understand our finances and we feel overwhelmed. And because of that, we'd rather just not think about it. But I'm going to beg you today, as your pastor, I'm just going to beg you. Let's talk about it. Let's lean into it. And let's ask God to give us some direction. Let's take this seriously. Imagine what your life would be like without any financial stress. Imagine wanting to buy something for your kids and going into the store and just paying cash for it and not having to worry about where the money came from. Imagine meeting somebody that had a significant need and knowing, you know what, I can help them. Imagine when something breaks, like the water heater goes out at home or the water pump goes out on your car and you're not worried about it because you have the financial resources just to fix it. And imagine that you had a week off, didn't have to go to work. And the only argument that you had with your spouse was whether you were going to go to the mountains or the beach. Mountains, beach, I don't know. We have options. Why? Because we don't have 
debt. And too many of us are living above our income and under stress. If that isn't motivating for you, let's just consider the spiritual aspects of it. Jesus said, whoever is faithful with a little, God will trust with more. Whoever is faithful with a little, God will trust with more. This is a spiritual principle Jesus teaches us in the parable of the talents. That if we're faithful with a little, so our faithfulness matters to God, it actually pleases God. When we, when we do something that, that manages what he's done well. How many of y'all, this doesn't happen a lot, but y'all ever walked into your kid's room and just out of the blue, without asking them, they're cleaning their room. Has that ever happened to you? I mean, just for no reason you didn't have, because most of the time when our kids clean their rooms or clean anything, they only clean them when we threaten to kill them, right? That's the only reason that they actually get involved with the process at all. But there's that rare moment when we walk into the room and we're like, what are you doing? You're cleaning up on your own. Whatever you want, ask for it right now. I'll give it to you. Right now. I believe that that's how God's heart responds to us. Because most of the time, the only way that we get in position to manage the stuff that we have well is when he has to break us down and beat us down and get us in position that we see that we're so broken in the way that we manage things. But when we actually get to the place where we're finally like, God, I'm going to do it your way. No, you're not going to have to. There's no discipline. Let, let me discipline myself. Something happens in the heart of God, and God is so pleased by that. So today I want to take you to... Instead of three points of advice, I just want to take you to three prayers that if you're under stress that you need to be praying. Because a lot of times we want, we want advice, but in a lot of situations we need to be praying. And so if you're dealing with financial stress to the point that it's affecting your relationships, it's affecting your health, it's affecting your life, I want to give you three prayers to pray today, Okay. This is very important for us. Number one, God, give me self-control. God, give me self-control. God, help me out. Give me some self-control. Proverbs 25, verse 28 says this, Like a city whose walls are broken down is a person who lacks self-control. In the day of Solomon, when he is writing this, a person or, or a city was defended by its walls. Its, its walls were in position to keep out the enemy. See, the, the Bible is telling us here that, that when we live without self-control, the enemy has free reign to come into our lives and to still kill and destroy. There is no guard up against him. See, the problem with self-control is that every single one of us has a two-year-old that lives inside of us. Y'all realize that? We have a two-year-old at home. He's not quite two yet. And he has fallen in love with something like I've never seen anyone fall in love with anything before. And it's just simply milk. Our 18-month-old loves milk to the point that we can't say, hey, you want to go get him some milk? Because once he hears the word milk, He's so in love with milk that he'll start screaming, Milk! 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 
And he'll walk over to the fridge, and he'll stand in front of the fridge and look at you and say, Milk! Milk! So we started spelling it out. Do you want to go get some M-I-L-K? Is it time for M-I-L-K? He now knows what M-I-L-K smells. So he'll look at us and go, M-I-L-K, milk! Milk! Is it time for milk? Some of us, all right, some of us inside, it's not milk anymore. It's shoes! Shoes! I need those shoes! Shoes! Gun! I need that new gun! I need that new gun! I need it! I need it! I need that new car. I need it. I need it. And we all do this differently, ladies. Y'all blow it when you get around a clearance rack. (laughs) Y'all see 70% off, and it's just like a deer tracking right towards the light, right? I mean, it is just, it just draws and sucks you in, and you will come home with hundreds of dollars worth of stuff that you don't need, and you'll bring it, set it on the table. Honey, I saved us hundreds of dollars. It was all on clearance. And you'll nickel and dime yourself into trouble. Guys, we blow it. And when we blow it, we blow it big. I mean, I don't mean like little. I mean like we break the bank when we blow it. This is a true story, okay, of one of my friends. He came home one night. No conversation about any of this ahead of time with his wife. He walked in and goes, baby, I got you a present. No, if your husband says, I got you a present, and you didn't know about it, and it's this, you know he didn't get you a present. All right, baby, I got you a present today. Okay, what what, what did you get? I got a boat. I got a big old pontoon boat. It's brand new, and it's awesome. Oh, really? You, you have a Honda Civic. How are you going to pull that boat? Well, I had a good idea. So I figured if I couldn't pull the boat with my Honda Civic, I also went and bought a brand new truck. What? How many of y'all know that your wife would kill you if you came home with a boat and a truck, right? That's how guys do it. We blow. We need to pray, God, give us some self-control. Help us to say no to that screaming two-year-old that's inside of us. Here's what we need to have as a vision for our life. Look at this. Say no for a little while so that you can say yes for the rest of your life. Say no so that we can say yes. We might have to say no now, but if we say no now, we can say yes later. What do you need to say no to? Well, some of you ladies, you get your nails done once a week, and it's not to impress your husband because your husband don't even know. He doesn't even know or recognize what your nails look like each week. Really, you're getting your nails done to impress the other ladies. Maybe it's time to say no to getting your nails done. Some of you guys play golf two or three times a week, and it's costing $50, $60 a round. It's time to say no play golf once a month and I'll play at the cheaper course some of y'all and this is true every day you got to get a cup of coffee and it's not just the cup of coffee the 50 cent cup of coffee that you could brew at home is no longer any good you have to get a five dollar cup of coffee from Starbucks and it's time to say no And I know it might seem like child abuse in the culture that we live in, but when your 12-year-old comes in and says, I need an iPhone, you probably need to say, no, not now. 
Maybe you want that new car. If I can just give you some advice. Cars uh, depreciate over the first 18 months about 20%. You buy a new car, that means whatever the value is that you paid for that car over the first 18 months that you own that car, you will lose that much money as that car depreciates. Okay, can I give you some advice? Don't buy a new car. All right, there's plenty of you who are going to try to tell me otherwise. Just look at the research. So what happens when you get out of debt? When you actually don't live that way and you live in a way that's within your means. You live with self-control. Well, you can save and buy whatever car you want. Imagine not having any payments. Save up, pay cash for it. Play golf wherever you want. Be members of whatever country club you wanted to be members of. And if you want to get your nails done, not only could you probably afford to get your nails done, but you could probably take all the ladies that you work with to go get their nails done too. Because we need to learn to say no for a little while so that we can say yes later. Far too many of us are sacrificing what we ultimately want for what we want right now. I'm going to say that again. I want that to sink in too. Far too many of us are sacrificing what we ultimately want for what we want right now. Second prayer we need to pray. First prayer, God, give me self-control. Second prayer, God, give me understanding. God, give me understanding. God, help me understand finances. I don't understand them. I don't process them well. I'm not making good decisions. God, give me understanding. Hosea 4, 6 says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Most of us, most of us do not need more money. Most of us need more understanding. We need to understand finances a little bit better because culturally the way that we deal with money is so busted and broken and if you want what's normal keep doing what's normal because normal is being broke and busted and not having enough money to pay your bills but if you want what only a few have you need to be willing to do what only a few are willing to do what's normal how do we process economic decisions we ask two questions how much down and how much month that's how we do that culturally. A commentator on how we navigate finances in America once said, and I thought this is so wise, he said, we no longer talk about the cost of an object. We talk about the payment for that. We no longer ask, can I afford this? We ask, can I afford the payment? And that's why some of us have cars that we cannot afford, but we can afford the payment. Some of us are living in houses that we cannot afford, but we can afford the payment. And the problem is, is that when you get into something that you cannot afford, but you can simply afford the payment, eventually that thing is going to cost you more than you realize. Because we're not asking the question, the better question is, what is the real cost? What is the real cost? What's the real cost of living above my income and living under stress. What's the real cost? The average American family that is carrying credit card debt is carrying about $16,000 in credit card debt. $16,000. Some of y'all feel really good right now. Some of y'all feel horrible. Okay? I just want you to know wherever you are in the contingency, God has a plan. God has a plan. God has a plan. It's going to take work, but God has a plan. Okay? 
16, but I want you to see the real cost of having $16,000 in credit card debt. Look at this. The average monthly payment is $250. The average consumer credit card right now is paying somewhere in the ballpark of 19%. If you pay $250 on $16,000 at 19%, it will take you 40 years to pay off, and it will be $100,000 in interest for $16,000 worth of stuff. The borrower is slave to the lender. The borrower is slave to the Again, that's three years for the average family in our community to work every day just to pay off. The borrower is slave to the lender. But think about this. If you paid $16,000 and put it into an investment account, I want you to see the wisdom behind the opposite direction. Okay, behind paying issue. Now, now let's talk about investment. If you took sixteen thousand dollars and invested it at twelve percent, I'm, I'm not. I know that there's not many investments you're ever going to get twelve percent on, but I'm trying to give you something to correlate to that sixteen percent interest. Twelve percent over forty forty years, you would have just under one point five million dollars. Now, now think about the cost. $16,000 in credit card debt, $100,000 in interest, but you miss out on the opportunity of $16,000 invested, and then that over a period of time as interest compounds. God, give us understanding. Help us to understand finances a little bit more than we do right now. Now think about this. If you took that $16,000 as a down payment and investment, then added what would be your credit card payment of $250 for the next 40 years, at the end of that 40 years, you would have just under $4 million. What is the real cost? Many of us are mortgaging our futures for what we want in a moment. God, give us self-control. God, give us understanding. And lastly, God, give us a plan. God, give me a plan. Proverbs 21, verse 5 says, The plans of the diligent lead to profit, as sure as haste leads to poverty. What is haste? It leads to poverty. What is it? Haste is making decisions that are not informed. Haste is making decisions that are emotional. Haste is making decisions on the fly. Haste is not having a plan. This is why we push so hard for you to get involved in Financial Peace University. Because Financial Peace University was founded by a guy named Dave Ramsey who went bankrupt and then went to the Bible and said, God, teach me how to do money your way. I'm obviously not doing it your way, so please help me. And he came out with biblical principles to stand with. And he started working those. And he went from bankruptcy to wealth. And then he decided, you know what I could spend the rest of my, th my life doing? It's just actually informing and helping other people do the same thing. See, the thing about debt is you can wander into debt, but you can't wander out of debt. You can mistake your way into debt, but you cannot mistake your way out of debt. And so in financial peace, they give you a plan. 
And it starts simply by creating a small savings account so when things break, you don't go to your credit card to fix it. You go to this small savings, this emergency fund. And then you start working what they call the debt snowball, creating margin in your budget so that you can actually begin to pay off the debt that you owe. Then in creating some savings accounts and then investing it's a it's a very strategic plan you can sign up at guest services today we want you to have that plan so that you know how to take the next step forward you see my mom and dad my mom and dad were two of the least likely people to ever ever amass any sort of wealth at all my mom was the the child of an orphan. My dad was the son of a sharecropper. When they got married, they had no investment, no help from family, nothing. But my dad was smart. And he decided, if we're going to do this, we're going to do this different than our families did it. We're going to live on a budget. If you know my dad, he's not a lot of fun, okay? Just saying up front, okay? So he created the budget. My mom, who is a lot of fun, said, this is not going to work. We are going to go on a date every week. And so my dad went around town. He was stationed in Texas. They were in, he was in the Navy. And he went around town. He found a place where they could go out to eat for $5 a week. And so in their budget, every week was $5 to go out on a date. They would go get a pizza and go get some drinks. And they worked that budget for years. See, we didn't go on family vacations when I was a kid. We didn't go to the beach. We didn't go to the mountains. We went to Disney World one time. I think my dad hated it so bad we were never going back. My mom made my clothes when I was a kid. I can remember rowing up into school and kids had name brand clothes and there I was with clothes that were made by my mother we had the same couch from the time I was a little kid until I was well into my like adult years the TV when I was a kid the TV was bigger than our living room I don't even know how they fit that thing in there it was so old you had to go adjust it we didn't have a remote control it was like 12 years after VCRs came out that we actually got a VCR. But my mom and dad did some smart things. The thing is that you look at them now and you would say they must have made a lot of money. My dad never made even as much money as I make right now. They were just disciplined and worked a plan that they never varied from. My dad retired when he was 55 years old with enough money in the bank to pay his salary and pay and take care of the family until my mom retired when they were when she was 58 they moved from South Carolina and moved here and built a home and built a nice home and paid cash for it now right now every year they take me and my family and my sister and we go to the beach every year and stay at a beachfront house every year and they pay for it every year because they were willing to say no to some things for a little while so that they could say yes to some things for the rest of their lives. 
My dad told me when I was a little kid. He said, Kevin, if you ever want to live in a season of abundance, you'll have to be willing to live in a season of lack. Can I just translate that for you? You need to be willing to say no right now so that you can say yes later. See, your life is too valuable. Your calling is too great. Your God is too good to waste your life on meaningless things. And far too many of us have mortgaged our futures on things that don't matter at all. Don't waste your life. It's too valuable. Your calling is too important. Your God is way too good to waste your life on meaningless Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.